Our friend is here. This is Gene just walked in. Hi, Gene. Yeah, you just ruined the podcast. I basically was like, yeah, I just need to do everything like him and I'll be him and it'll be perfect. And then a, a local guy from Chicago, who's the only one willing to give me a little bit of constructive criticism. Okay. He was basically like, hey man, these suck. So, <laughs> Well, welcome to the next episode of Coffee Talks. This is episode number two and we sit down with this one and talk to Eric Floberg while I was in Chicago. Eric is a photographer, filmmaker, uh, and runs a creative space over there. And we talked over some delicious American coffee. Can't remember what it was, but we talked about uh, comparison, getting started as a photographer and a filmmaker, and how making that work looks in a life. Uh, so this is a, this is a brilliant podcast. Um, I must apologise in advance. I was super jet lagged, super tired. I didn't even know what day and what time it was because I was just between a thousand different countries at the time and thus my mic work didn't work properly and so the audio you will hear from this is only one microphone between the two of us so I'm sorry for that that is my fault and I promise from here on I will do better uh, but sit back grab yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode talking to Eric Floberg all right well uh, welcome to the podcast thank you today I'm in Chicago yeah. which is a nice city and I have with me Eric Floberg you said it right. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> Good story. Uh, we were having this conversation about happy days before. I'm going to drop all this Australian slang <laughs> and Eric's just going to learn it all. And then copy you. Yeah, cool. Yeah. By the end, I'll talk American. You can talk Australian. Perfect. I, that's my hope, yeah. <laughs> I can't do an amazing American accent. Okay, well, we're, eventually we're going to have to try both. Be like, I don't know. I don't want to open with that, but <laughs> okay. if we can get, try. Yeah, when we get yeah. into this later, we're definitely going to swap yeah. and try a different accent. Yeah. Okay, we'll do it. We'll see. <laughs> um, so give me your, your elevator pitch. What's your... If you were stuck with someone in an elevator and had like 30 seconds, be like, hi, I'm Eric, and I do this okay what's your elevator pitch yeah so uh hey i'm eric and i'm a photographer and filmmaker primarily um i shoot a lot of weddings but i do some commercial work here and there just started up a youtube channel just like making things and creating things really like to get into a little bit more of uh filmmaking short films whatever uh, but yeah i love making photographs, making films, and just kind of creative person in general, so. I don't know, I don't, I don't pitch myself <laughs> on elevators very often, so. No, I, everyone, everyone uses that term, they're like, give me an elevator pitch, I'm like. I'm like, I, I don't talk to people in elevators, <laughs> I'm like, I have too much social anxiety. He stands there awkwardly, uh, so I did the stupidest thing at the hotel, I'm staying on the way here, I was like, on my phone, and walked past this old couple coming out of their room, and then I kept walking, and I was like, I'm going to the elevator, and walked. And then I'd realized I'd walked past the elevator, which was right where they were. So I had to then <laughs> come back and get in the elevator with them and be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I just missed it. <laughs> and then, yeah, elevators are weird things, man. I hate them. I like, I'm introverted and yeah. I feel like I could turn off the introvert at times, like if I need to. Um, but when it comes to stuff like elevators and buses, public transportation, like I'm the most introverted person <laughs> in the world. And yeah. so... Yeah, the anxiety of having to talk to a stranger in one of those places just, like, Gets wrecks me. Yeah. Which, like, that's a terrible thing for a business person, I guess. I could, yeah. So I don't generate a lot of business on <laughs> elevators. Don't hand out business cards. No. Like, hey, guys. Yeah, like, I don't carry business cards for that reason. It's like, I forget. Like, I'm the yeah. guy that rocks up to business networking meetings, and they're like, can I get a card? I'm like, like I, damn it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it's 2018, and I, I feel like 
every time I hand out a business card, I'm like, mm. well, I just lost like 20 cents. Like they're just going <laughs> to throw it in the trash. Yeah. I actually you know? use Instagram, Instagram yeah. and I stole this from hey, Craig Adams. Yeah, He's follow like, me. Yeah. And so what I'll do is, is I'll like give them my phone and be like, follow yourself. Yep. And then that way I get a notification so I can go back and follow them if I want. Check yep. them out. And you can just like send them a DM. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And be like, hey man, remember me? Like, yeah. It's way more out. personal in today's yeah, age yeah. than to just have a piece of paper that yeah, doesn't just, do anything. And I find it, I've never found a business card that I like the look of. Right. Yeah. Like I, I designed, when I first started designing something, I was like, yeah, these are wicked. Two years later, like, and my friend, he'd started his design company, so he designed and printed them. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, I'll print you a thousand. I'm like, dude, I still have 950. <laughs> I'm like, it's three years later. What am I going to do with these? <laughs> I've changed everything. And, and uh-huh. it was, yeah, I've never found a business card that I like the design of. But yeah, I've rocked the same ones for about three years now because yeah. that's, yeah, they've just lasted forever. Yeah. And there's a photo on it that I'm like, there's nothing like my work now. <laughs> it kind of describes who yeah. I am. Yeah. But so yeah. At least you've got your name. Like I go by a, a business brand. So right, f- right. Like at least you'll never not be Eric Floberg. Right? Yeah. You, you could be someone else. I guess, it. yeah. But, but yeah, for me, I was like, that means I've got to put either my name on the back on the other side uh-huh. and, then, and it's just complicated. But that, that was one of the questions I kind of like talked about. Like, um, So as a photographer and wedding, you, so you do primarily weddings and stuff yeah uh why is there a reason kind of why you chose to use your name as your business or your personal brand yeah i mean so i was starting off in in shooting weddings and just getting into the scene i was a huge fanboy of a guy named uh, benj heish yeah. i don't know are you familiar with him yeah yeah most most wedding photographers okay. are. <laughs> yeah. um so uh benj is out in seattle and um you know, for my late college years when I started uh, my business, if you will, um, I basically was like, yeah, I just need to do everything like him and I'll be him and it'll be perfect. Um, so I think that's probably where it started. It was like, okay, so if I'm a photographer and I shoot weddings or whatever the case is, then it just needs to be my name, you know? And I came up with this stupid name that was just, I, I created my business. It was a Facebook page. It was Eric Floberg Film and Photography. It was like, holy mouthful, you know? Like, <laughs> Eric Eric Floberg film and photography ten yep. ten syllables and, and then there's like the Floberg film photography yeah like yeah just yeah yeah it's bad the alliterations yeah I mean normally you want alliteration but with that many syllables it's yeah. like yeah word vomit just can't uh, so th- that was I mean I just stuck with that name for a while okay. and. Every time people were like, oh, what's your business name? I'd like, I wouldn't even tell them Eric Floberg Film and Photography because I wanted to kill myself every time I said it. <laughs> uh, I'd just be like, oh, it's just my name. I'm just Eric Floberg. I'm a photographer, yeah. you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. Oh, our friend is here. This is Gene just walked in. Yeah. Hi, Gene. Yeah, you just ruined the podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, we're, at, we, <laughs> we're in my uh, we're in my creative space. It's called Creative Club Chicago. Me and... Uh, three other photographers started it about a year ago. So if you hear any other sounds or whatever the case is, it's That's a co-working nice. space. So I'd say go and unfollow Gene if you do, because he just ruined the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah screw you, Gene. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, where was I? Um, yeah, so I just started saying Eric Floberg. And, you know, for a while I was like, maybe I do need to rebrand, especially if I want to like scale my business, whatever the case is. But that just, that just kind of died because... There's just such a, a personal connection to what I do and what I produce yes. um, that I felt like it was it was important to keep my name attached to it yeah. because I really care about the artistry involved in what I do. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't fault anybody for 
you know, branding with a different yeah. name. I think there's tons of benefits to doing that. Yeah. And I'm kind of jealous of those benefits sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm so tied to what I do, mm-hmm. but that kind of forces me to be tied and care yep. about what I do as yep. well. And so that doesn't mean that I might not change it in the future, yep. um, but it, I feel like it also gives me the versatility to let my business kind of transform in different ways as yep. well, with me being kind of the leader. Yeah, cool. uh, so, yeah. yeah it's, it's, and it's, yeah, it's one of those things anyone can do, and like I obviously made the decision to go the other way and make a, right. a, ba- a band, a brand, <laughs> um, yeah, but now I'm, not doing the opposite. I'm, I'm splitting myself so that Tom DeWire is podcast, commercial photography, yeah. other stuff, mm-hmm. and then Light City Creative is just weddings, yeah. um, which allows me to just differentiate the two and not because I find, particularly like you know Instagram, <clears throat> we talk about having that flow and whatever. Like yeah. I find I'm like, oh, I want to post that, but does it match? And you know, it doesn't really matter, but yeah. um, but it gives me an excuse to post more in both places as well. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I can post something over here. It's different. Uh-huh. It <laughs> oh yeah I've thought about that too yeah. just like different avenues of what I want yeah. to do you know whether it be street photography yeah. or um, just delineating what you know my, should my wedding stuff go over here or whatever the case is yeah. and part of me just wants to be like I don't care yeah. I don't care what anybody thinks yeah. but then the business side of me is just like oh maybe I should segment it <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. it's tough but yeah probably the one I've noticed in Australia is people have uh, film accounts, so shoot film cameras, mm-hmm. and that's where they put all their personal film work. Yep. Separate to their wedding stuff. It's what I'm probably going to do in the coming yeah. months. So cool. Yeah, cool. looking to probably. I already have like a name and everything for what I want to do for yeah. my street stuff, and I don't know if I'll put personal stuff there, but yeah. I kind of just want to do a, a street account that's dedicated to that because I want to shoot a whole lot more of that this yeah. year. So yeah, cool. That's yeah. awesome. So street photography is like a big thing for you, obviously. Like that's kind yeah. of yeah. Um, what made you fall in love? with street photography? Yeah, so um, I went to a workshop two years ago called Workshop. Um, It's in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, So they've done it for two years now. They're going on their third this year. Uh, They had a keynote speaker. Her name's Bee Walker. Um, Her and her husband are photographers in New York City. And uh, they do a a lot of uh, street and photojournalistic stuff um, along with some other photographers in New York. And just incredibly inspirational, uh, her keynote. That night, I walked away from it, and I was like, all right, I made plans for 6 a.m. wake up, and I was like, I'm gonna take the the first train to Manhattan, and I'm just gonna go for it. And, uh, you know, like, talking about just, like, not being afraid, and photographing whatever's happening, and um, I went at it, I I only had my, uh, my DSLR, so I didn't even have a film camera, um, I was just like, I'm just going to go for it. And uh, I took I took a lot of photos that morning, and there were really only a couple that stood out. And I posted, like, literally the whole set of them onto, like, a Facebook album. And then I was like, hey, I tried street photography. Check it out. And then, like, you know, all my friends from back home were like, hey, this is really cool. Awesome. This is really great, Eric. And then a, a local guy from Chicago who's definitely inclined uh, – as an artistic photographer, a street photographer, uh, lifestyle, but just like really weird and quirky. I love him for that. He like was the only one willing to give me a little bit of constructive criticism. Yeah, cool. He was basically like, Hey man, these suck. So, um, get, <laughs> like get, it down. yeah, he's like, uh, you know, get better if you want to do it again. And you know, my first instinct to anything like that is just like, Oh, I'm so offended. Like you don't yeah. like my work, whatever. 
Um, but I actually took it to heart. He didn't say it like that, <laughs> that rude of a way. You suck. Right. Yeah. But he would, uh, he said, you know, you know, street photography is more about like the weird and the offbeat and anything that's really going to make someone stop in their tracks and be like, what? wait, what's happening? You know? Uh, and so I really, really took that to heart yeah. so much so that I remember that like one comment. Um, and so that drove me to start creating stuff that was way more interesting than that first set that I ever produced. And the truth is, I've really only been shooting street for like, you know, two years now, not even. Um, but I ended up buying a Leica M6 35 millimeter film camera and uh, a little fixed uh, 35 mil uh, lens and just started going to town on shooting stuff. Um, was fortunate enough to land a trip to Asia and um, basically had four days to shoot street in Hong Kong and that's where it really kind of took off um, with getting stuff that was actually interesting yeah. and putting myself out there and and you know putting myself in situations where I might potentially be offending people on the streets yeah. of taking their photographs you know almost got beat up by some guy um, you, you know like yeah, it's it, another guy threatened to call the police on me, even though it's not illegal. And, you know, it's like it's just this whole new form of uh, uh, of making art yeah. through the medium of photography. That's challenging. Yeah. I still every time I do it, I just like am terrified. Yeah. But it's like it's just such this thrill um, that when you land a good shot, it's so invigorating. Yeah. And, you know, um, when you get in those situations where it's just this awkward social interaction, yeah. you have to work yourself out of it. Um, you know, showing them that you had had no bad intentions, that yeah. you're not a creep, um, and so yeah, it's uh, I just I'm thrilled by it. And so yeah. many people look at it and they're like, "What the heck? This is this is so strange. Yeah. Why would you intrude on people's lives like this?" Um, but even like the intro that we just filmed, I, I love the idea uh, of it just being this piece of history. Yeah, yeah whether it's great. significant or not, yeah. whether there's a huge following or not. Yeah. That I'm able to take photos in this this time period, mm -hmm. people can look back at it. Because I look at yeah. work like um, Vivian Meyer, who is mm -hmm. in Chicago, um, a few decades back. She's she's passed away now, but she never showed her work to the public. She hid all of her film in a closet, and then someone yeah. found it after she died. Yeah, and yeah, and there's like a whole Netflix special on it, and uh, she's just this incredible street photographer. But what's amazing is that she was able to capture that time period yeah. and there's so much nostalgia for the people yeah. who view those images yeah, it's cool. of that time frame in Chicago so I'm talking yeah. a lot sorry no, it's, it's a podcast <laughs> yeah. about you today so. <laughs> and so far you're the best guest I've ever had <laughs> oh thanks because you're the only guest yeah. I've ever had so. <laughs> no it's good yeah street photography is like, like even like I said like travelling around in Quebec and, and places like that this past week like I don't think anyone can ever be comfortable with street photography because no matter who you are there's always this um, you know, you could be the most outgoing or the most introverted person, but there's always that, what's the other person thinking? And that can be what stops you or what yep. makes things awkward. And like, yep. yeah, same thing. Like, But once you get a shot that you look at and you're like, damn, mm -hmm. that's it. And like, that's what it's all for. And you're mm -hmm. happy as like, I don't know. I think I got one the other day in Quebec that I was really, really happy with. Haven't looked at it yet. I should have, but haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been traveling, <laughs> which isn't fun. But well, um, the f when you shoot film, it forces you to do that, which is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. And the anticipation too. Yeah. In living a culture in such like a, I want it now, I get it now. Yeah. Um, having to wait a few weeks to see that yeah. result 
is really special. And what's really cool is when you get your scans back sometimes, I mean, this is if you're not developing it yourself, but um, you do it the way I do, and you get your scans back, uh, you get images that you thought were garbage that were actually gold. Yeah. And that's really exciting. And sometimes you're really excited about images and they just fall completely flat and yeah. they're disappointing for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but that whole experience is part of the process too, yeah. which is really fun. I've shot three rolls of film with no real crap. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was like, it's when I was moving out. I moved out of my parents' home and found, well, I'm guessing it was my dad's old film camera. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I know it's because he told me he went to the New Year's Eve fireworks we have in Sydney one year when he got this camera and uh-huh. was so excited because he was shooting and he's like, yeah, I'm going to shoot the fireworks and went with my my mum and her brother and his wife and, and then when they were leaving, um, there was like a strike on all the public transport and just hated it and dad was like, I'm sick of this, it's super frustrating and it took him like five hours to get back to their hotel or whatever, something like that and then he was like, well, at least I've got my photos <laughs> and he didn't load the film oh! properly. <laughs> so he's like, damn it! Oh. And so for me, I'm always like, it could be what happens, but, you know. Yeah, it's, it's happened to me. It's fun, yeah. yeah. I just like the fact that film, as a photographer, like, no matter what you know or what you think you know with photography, film will always be, like, <laughs> wrong. <Yep. laughs> or, like, something different. Um, I've got a friend that runs workshops in Australia, and he did this recently where he shot with all the people at the workshop, like, they had a session where they were shooting, um, and he actually taped up everyone's screens at the back. Awesome. I'm like, that's pretty cool, yeah, because same thing. Like, we're so used to just looking at it, making adjustments straight away. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think that art of as a photographer, just knowing things, um, like I don't know, you know, Ollie Sampson, have you ever heard mm-hmm. of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met up with him, and he's just a, he just knows film without any any second thoughts. Uh-huh. Like, um, and I'm just, I looked at him, I'm like, what the flip? Like, how do you just know what to shoot at? Like, yeah. you know, what you need for every shot? He's like, the train just, eye. Yeah, I'm just used to it, and yeah. so I think that with the digital like I, remember, I love digital photography and it's amazing and the things yep. you can do but I think it's taken that kind of aspect out of it sometimes yep. which is you know sucks and I'm no hipster film guy or whatever like that. <laughs> yeah. but yeah I think as a photographer you kind of need to push that side of it a bit more sometimes yeah no doubt it, it, it starting to shoot film I shoot personally and for street uh, yep. it just it, it forced me to completely slow down and yep. only photograph the things that were worthwhile because yeah. If you're paying for the film and paying for the development every time you click the shutter it's over a dollar yeah. and you're like oh. I, I'm not just gonna throw money away yeah. just by shooting random stuff yeah um, so yeah it's uh, it challenges you in that regard and then that can translate into digital photography as well yeah. when you start practicing that discipline it'll you know translate over and then you start shooting more intentionally with digital yeah. and in that process you you get a higher volume of, of quality images yeah. and then your culling process is a lot easier going through them uh, you're not dealing with a high volume of a bunch of average stuff yeah. Yeah. but a low volume of really quality stuff yeah so, that's cool yeah. it brings a question to mind the other day so at the wedding I was at they had Polaroid cameras which mm-hmm. is a popular thing now and they do that as a guest book yep. um, I don't know if you've seen that we'll oh yeah have it to everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was sitting there with them and we'd finished the portrait session and we'd had like 20 minutes for the girls to freshen up and stuff at the mm-hmm. house and they're like oh look we've got four photos left on a Polaroid camera and they're like what do we use them on they're like oh let's just take selfies and I was like why don't we use them for something cool like something that you'll actually really appreciate like so yeah. if you had four photos on like a film thing or on a film roll or a Polaroid camera what would you automatically be like that's what I'm going to photograph oh man it's a tough one it is really tough I guess it would completely depend on my situation like where I am what I'm doing um, am I allowed to ask that? 
Damn, you flipped it back on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, no, yeah, like, anyway. Anywhere, make, make anything. Anywhere, anywhere, dream situation. Like, if I had four frames. Yeah, four frames to shoot. I would want to. And you knew that would come out perfect no matter what. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's um, I would want to photograph my family for one of them. Yeah. Uh, I would probably want to. F- then I would want to photograph something else that's nostalgic. Yep. Um, and that could be uh, a place or a city, like probably Chicago in some sense, my home. Um, I'd want to take a street photo, and it would probably take me forever to take it <laughs> because I would know the importance of that one frame. Yeah. And oh man, the last one. Um, I rarely take self portraits, and I, I'm inclined to say that. But that's just not me, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I would do on the last one. I guess whatever would interest me. Yeah. Or I think I'd probably just go for something really creative. Yeah. I would like take a shot in the dark. Yeah, cool. Um, and different. yeah, just like take a while to brainstorm, uh, think about what I want to do, and then try to do it, see if it works. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's a different thing to think about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a really tough question. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you, look, you grew up, you've lived your whole life in Chicago? Correct. Yeah, yep. yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, so, yeah, just kind of a, I mean, it was a fun childhood for sure, Yeah. but never had really exposure to the urban setting. Okay, yeah. Uh, always wanted to, always begged my parents to go downtown, and they would always say yep. no. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I think that's what led me to live in the city because that childhood dream. Yeah. So. Always thought about it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And you live here with your, your wife and your two kids? Yes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Scout and... I forgot their second name. Theo. Theo, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, Scout I remember because like, they're cool names. <laughs> well, I wish I was named well, most, Scout or Theo. Most people think Scout's a dog, so... <laughs> <laughs> they're <laughs> like, yeah, I, I talk about with my clients that I'll be at a wedding and they're like, oh yeah, Scout did this crazy thing the other day. They're like, oh, what kind of dog? <laughs> and I'm like, you mean what kind of child? <laughs> like, no, yeah, it's a it's That's a kid. A yeah. Thanks for insulting my family. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, most a lot of people think like, oh, did you name him after Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird? And we're like, oh no, like I don't really read much. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we loved we loved the idea, the name. Yeah, it means first explorer. He's our first kid. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, we've never met another boy named Scout. Just yeah. girls. But yeah, it's really special, and yeah. a lot of people love it too. So. Yeah, cool. And uh, so like. Growing in that family life and, and work as a photographer, like mm. you travel quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I know you're talking about hoping not to travel so much. Yeah. How do you how do you balance that? I guess family and, and work life. Like? Yeah. It's a constant, constant battle, yeah. and it's one of contention in our household all the time. Yeah. I think as is for any other person who travels for work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have this this like burning desire to go and travel and do these things as many other photographers do. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm in a season of, of doing it very consistently, I'm very happy with uh, the opportunities I'm afforded. Uh, I've gotten to do some really rad things the past couple of years yeah. uh, as far as locations and what I'm shooting in those locations. Um, but doing it uh, in a serial manner where it's just back to back to back, mm-hmm. as many other people will tell you, is just, you know, it's really burdensome. Yeah both physically, you know, I'm sick right now and it's a direct result of the travel I've done recently. Yeah. Um, but also just emotionally, uh, with family, when you have two small kids, um, even just the past few weeks, I just had this longing to see them while I was on the road. Um, I, I was missing them just an insane amount. And 
there was one instance where we, we came back from a week-long trip. We went to Mexico and then L.A. We got back, and the kids were at my parents. We walked up the stairs, and Theo, he's walking now. He's walking across the room, and he hears us, and he turns his head, and he looks at me, and uh, his, his expression is terrified at first. And yeah. I'm like, we've been gone for a week, and this kid doesn't remember who I am. Yeah, wow. That's like, it broke my heart. Yeah. And then, just as that thought left my mind, he... Yeah. A huge grin and then yeah. ran towards me um, and so the, it, it was just that feeling of like what what am I doing yeah um, and you know it doesn't make me want to stop traveling it just makes me want to be more intentional with what I do with my travel schedule yeah. and just make sure that there's time allotted for family and so right now what that means is um, spending mornings with them before I head out to work yeah. um, you know either weekly or every other week having a full day dedicated to family. Yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what that looks like. And my wife films with me whenever we film, so we're both yeah. gone from the kids and we both feel that tension. Yeah. Um, but then when I photograph, I'm usually by myself, so yeah. I'm missing all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Like, I mean, that completely opposite boat where obviously like I'm single, not married, I don't have kids or anything like yeah. that. So for me, I'm like, someone's like, hey, you want to come to the other side of the world? I'm like, not a problem. Don't have to, yeah, don't have to think about anything else. Yeah. Um, but I guess like the question I get asked a lot of the time too in regards to photography, and I'm sure it plays a different answer. Is, is some people are like, oh man, like why don't you just get a regular job where you get paid weekly, you get yeah. regular hours and whatever? Like, is there part of you that's ever kind of gone, yeah, why don't I do that? Or is there more of you that goes, <coughs> no, 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 like I want to succeed in this so that kids know that they can succeed in, in whatever they want to do or something yeah. like, like is there part of that that plays around in your mind yeah absolutely even recently uh, I thought you know this is becoming almost too burdensome just all the stress that I'm carrying on all the things that I have to do all the editing that I have in my schedule all of those have floated around in my head so much you know I came from I, I graduated with a teaching degree and taught yeah. for three years uh, straight out of, of college and so <laughs> I know what that is like. I never knew it by itself because I was always balancing and growing my business alongside working full-time yep. as a teacher. Um, but yeah, part of me longs for kind of that simplicity. Yeah. But every time I, I kind of go into that, um, that trajectory of thought, I take a step back and think about how miserable I would be in, in that consistency. Yeah. Because I, I just know, and I felt that in that job, that the consistency of work nine to five every day, commute, doing all these things over and over and over just drives me insane. Yeah. And um, as, a, as a person generally, I just need change a lot. And yeah. I think that's true of a lot of creative people. We're like always wanting something new happening. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean something physical or tangible. Maybe that just means a, a trip, a vacation, um, doing something, going somewhere. Uh, trying something new, yep. uh, uh, you know, uh, a new hobby, whatever the case is, and so that's what always kind of brings me back to like, no, I'm actually doing my dream job. I just yeah. need to again find those parameters that in, that make it healthy, yeah. uh, that make sure that I'm not doing it too much yeah. and stressing myself out too yeah. much. Yeah. So I think the best thing I've ever heard about that is someone on set. It's like a documentary or something, like that, and, and they're like, some people are made to just do nine to five and. Yep. whatever it is yes. you know whether you're a lawyer or you're just a shop assistant uh -huh. for nine to five and then other people are made to you know break that and be entrepreneurs and yep. work you know like nine to one or some weird hours for sure and, and for me like 
I guess I did the opposite. Like I went straight from school pretty much to this kind of photography creative mm-hmm. style. Um, and so for me, I was like never really known different like I did work for someone for a while and that yeah. was great but even doing exactly the same thing for them I found I was like I'm not doing it for me like it's right. completely different right like, and I just wasn't in love with it in that right it's totally circumstantial on yeah. personality have you ever heard of the Enneagram test no so it's like a it's a personality test yeah uh, which uh, I met with a, a local guy in Chicago his name's John Stopher. he's like just the total BA like yeah. really awesome guy um, does a ton of cool stuff but we like we sat and I think we had lunch or something and you know I'm wanting to talk about business and creative stuff and he's just like hey so what's your Enneagram and I was like what? <laughs> we're gonna do this? Yeah. and he's like yeah I'm obsessed with it like you're gonna figure out so much about yourself I'm like I, I, I hate person like before yeah. this I hated personality <laughs> tests and he like forced me to figure out which one I was and I found out um that I'm the one that's like uh, driven by success. It's yeah. like I want to be successful. Um, I believe, I forget, I believe it's a number two. There's like nine of them. Yeah. Um, and it just made me understand more about my drive and why I do the things yeah. I do yeah. as opposed to you talking about other people who are like made for a nine to five. Yeah. So someone who might fall in one of those other numbers is probably more prone to want that consistency in their yeah. life so that they can have more free time later with family, whatever yeah. the case is. But it was a big point of contention in our family, in yeah. my marriage even, um, because my wife is not a two, and she um, she's, I forget the number, but she's called the helper. And yeah. so she's always, like she's wanting to help people. Um, and her drive and her passions are so, so different than yeah. mine that she was looking at the way I live and the way I just go about my life in a completely different facet. She was, you know, she was thinking that I was being selfish, that I was being self-centered, um, and that was hurtful to me. Yeah. It's like my natural instinct is just to be successful mm-hmm. and to want to succeed in what I do and work. Yeah. And that can be a bad thing if it goes too far, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can also be a very good thing if it's channeled correctly. And so being able to understand each other in that way was really productive for us. Um, And knowing that my intent to be successful isn't malicious and not just self-seeking, although it can be sometimes, (laughs) uh, you know, who isn't at times. Um, But to know that there's a healthy way to go about that. And so her understanding that was monumental for us in in moving forward um, with me doing what I do. Yeah, yeah, cool. So you mentioned you were a teacher for three years, you said? Three years, yeah. yeah. cool. So what, what's your story behind like becoming a photographer and why you went to drop teaching and yeah. full-time take people's photographs? Uh, yeah, I, uh, in seventh grade, I did a video project for my Spanish class. Yeah. And it was with uh, two other guys, two other students in my class. And one of them knew how to work Windows Movie Maker. And... Uh, <laughs> I knew nothing. Solid. Yeah, I knew. Does anyone no- ever use that still? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think it even exists anymore. Probably not. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so he knew how to use it. We got assigned the group together, and he kind of led the charge. And was like, "We're gonna go all out with this thing," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Heck yeah! This sounds like a blast." I watched him edit. I, you know, working with the program, all the things he could do with it. I was enthralled. And so we, we made the best video in the class. We wanted to present first. We were so proud of it. Yeah. We presented our project 
and uh, everybody in the class ref actually refused to do their project. Like really? they didn't want to show their movie uh, because we had went so like. We, we spent a whole weekend filming this thing. Like, yeah. we, we got a stunt double to drive away a convertible. Like, all this crazy stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're in seventh <laughs> grade. And, um, and so our teacher complied. And she was like, all right, I'll give everybody a B. And nobody will have to present. Because <laughs> I've seen you guys, like, That's work awesome. the whole week. And so we were thrilled. She got a copy of it. She wanted to show it to all of her future classes. All that. So that instilled this, like, this motivation of me wanting to create the best video in every every opportunity I had every year after that in school. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Every year I made the best video in the class and I was so proud of it. And that kind of translated into college um, where I, would, I was involved in a college ministry uh, and we, would, uh, we had different events that we put on and so I would make like the, the video for you know describing the event, whatever the case yeah. was, a bunch of silly videos. And so, um, so then eventually a high school friend one summer was like, hey, my, my sister's getting married. She still doesn't have a videographer. Would you be interested in doing it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. And she's like, all right, what do you charge? And I was like, $300? Like that sounded good. At the, good. Yeah, that sounded good at the time. I had a friend who had a little bit more experience. So we did it. I, uh, I had a blast. We watched the film with the family. Uh, they loved it. It was a great experience all around. Yeah. And so that just kind of continued to snowball. It was like once I had my first one, another friend saw it. I did another wedding film. I got my first DSLR. Mm -hmm. I started taking photos with it with my friends. Someone asked me to shoot their proposal. Snowball continued yeah. to roll mm -hmm. until eventually I'm balancing a business where I'm shooting 25 weddings in a year and teaching full time. Yeah. And it becomes insufferable <laughs> there's absolutely no way yeah. I can continue to do both it was just way too much work and so yeah I decided to switch to go full time with my business mm -hmm. which was kind of scary but at the same time it was like you know I'm, yeah. I'm at a capacity now where we can definitely sustain ourselves and our yeah. family um, so the decision was pretty clear yeah yeah, yeah. taking that leap is uh, like from secured to full time and it, you know like you still know you've got a level of security um, yeah. And I think one thing that's thrown around a lot with job security, I think it's changed, is, you know, no one's ever secure anymore, really. Sure. Like, you could be doing nine to five and you could be let go any day. Sure. Yes, you'll get a severance package and stuff, maybe, or you'll get a, a certain amount of notice, but the security of those kind of jobs is still probably the same as working for yourself. Yeah. Apart from working for yourself, you can just see it coming a little more because you're like, okay, I haven't booked anything for anyway. three months. Exactly. Something's coming. I've got to figure something out. Like... So I think that whole yeah traditional stuff is changing a lot. More. Yeah, but I mean that's what I love about being an entrepreneur is mm -hmm. because I mean you you have you have any opportunity to make money at any time. It's just yeah. your ability to figure out what the market wants. Yeah, and so that might not be one of the primary skill that you have. So it's almost for me personally, it's almost more comfortable to be an entrepreneur than yeah. someone who has a salary paid job. Yeah. Because I look at the salary paid job and it's like we have to budget based on the salary that I make. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's nothing above that yeah. unless I have a side hustle, which I probably don't want to do because of the amount of work I have at my yeah. salary paying job. I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation. Whereas I could be making about the same amount, if not more, as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I can supplement income with really kind of anything whenever yeah. I want to. Yeah. I just have to go after it. Yeah. And so whether that means like me going after print sales and getting people to buy prints from me yeah. uh, you know, or doing a bunch of mini shoots and booking a whole day of you yeah. know, 
family shoots, yeah. which I don't necessarily want to do all the time. Yeah. Um, that gives me the ability to continue to grow in my business, continue to find that supplemental income yeah. and not feel like I'm, you know, broke all the time. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. know the best way to phrase that, but yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And that's, and it's true. Like uh, the amount of people as photographers you see, they're like, I'm doing this. And we're like, that's awesome. And as a jogger, you can look at it and be like, yeah, cool. I know you just bring in some extra income for that month or whatever. But you know, that's just the way, but it's good. Well, yeah. I mean, I also have a philosophy of just, um, you know, when, when you have supplemental income, uh, on top of the things that you are, you know, in top, on top of the income that you you normally get, yep. it affords you the opportunity to do things that you want to do. Yeah. And so you could be shooting a bunch of weddings, um, and that's your steady stream of income. But you you do a side hustle where you yep. start making some cash on the side, and that affords you the opportunity to then go take a trip somewhere and shoot something there. Yeah. Which could then market you in a way that wasn't marketing you before, yeah. which can get you jobs in a different way. Yeah. Um, cool. And just using that side hustle money to basically market for yourself and grow yeah. uh, to be able to do those things. Yeah, it's cool. And that, you know, that, that gives you the ability to grow as an artist yeah. too. Yeah, for and sure. do the things you want to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, much like you're able to do right now after the wedding yeah. you shot in North America, you're like, hey. <laughs> Let's head down to Chicago. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know, you, you've given yourself the opportunity to do yeah. that. And there's so much more flex. And like I have friends that are like, hey, we're going on a trip. We need to get dropped to, you know, the major city for mm -hmm. whatever. Can you take us? I'm like, heck yeah, I can. Like I can take half a day or whatever. Like yep. the freedom that comes with that, I think. In my opinion, I think the freedom and the flexibility that comes with working for yourself outweighs all the cons that come with it as well in yeah. my opinion but absolutely it just happens it mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so you, look you're not just a photographer filmmaker you run this space we're in uh -huh. uh, tell tell the world because it's I mean I know you're just talking to me currently yeah. <laughs> but tell the world so what is the creative club Chicago and 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 can I move in? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you actually can. <laughs> you can buy a 10-punch pass. Sorry, um, mom. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, one of the guys in here is affectionately referred to as Bean. His name is Aaron Bean, but uh, we always call him Bean. Yeah. Um, I had been chatting with him about potentially getting a workspace together. I had been working from home. It was driving me nuts. Mm -hmm. Scout was running around, opening the door, you know, pulling on my leg, but I was at work, but I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I was in my sweatpants and it was just a hot mess. Yeah. And, you know, I, I realized, you know, being cramped in our bedroom at a standing desk next to our bed, it just wasn't working. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of create, creative people find themselves in that situation. They have the capital to go, to go work somewhere else and make something happen, yeah. but they're comfortable in just being at their home and doing the same thing. Um, and so I wanted to be proactive in that. I started having conversations with people. Bean was one of those. So, you know, we kind of just had a casual conversation about it. And then the next day I see this post on Facebook on a group, a photography group in Chicago. Bean goes, hey, Eric and I are looking for a space. You want to? I'm like, dude, what? we never agreed to this. Yeah. And so he just kind of led the charge and I was like, I guess. I don't and so our friend Gene commented on that post uh, and goes, yeah, I've, I've actually been thinking about this recently too. Yeah, um, yeah I'd be interested. Okay, well, I mean, this is the proactive step we needed. Yeah. And so then being, again, being very proactive, finds a space to look at the first one and he sends us photos of it and it's like, you know, canned overhead light cubicle kind of, I was like, this does not look like the right thing <laughs> yeah. for us. 
Um, the aesthetic is way off. Uh, and so... All about the Instagram photos. Exactly, yeah. This is not Instagrammable. And so we go to this property. The landlord opens the door, and it's this enormous 900-square-foot, 10-foot ceiling industrial unit, south-facing windows with 8-foot... You know, 8-foot south-facing windows, natural light, the whole yeah. thing. And it's completely empty with white walls. It's like a photographer's dream. <laughs> and yeah. we're, you know, like being a renter, being a buyer, you don't want to walk into a space and be like, I love it. Yeah. You know, because like <laughs> any negotiating cool. is just like gone. Uh, so we're like low-key freaking out in our heads. It's the first place we've seen. And all of a sudden it becomes very real. It's like, oh my goodness, we found yeah. our space that quickly. It was incredibly affordable we were shocked at the price and we basically said yes by the time we were walking out the door um so fast forward we got another guy on board mike and it just turned into this um this workspace that we had for ourselves became the place the dedicated place that we were going to commute to it was going to be our dedicated workspace we weren't going to show up in pajamas we were actually going to (laughs) like wear real clothes um and so then, we're, yeah, we started talking about, hey, let's furnish this place, let's make it look nice, uh, let, let's make it Instagrammable. Yeah. <laughs> and so my wife had been, you know, toying with the idea of starting uh, to do interior design. She jumped on board to help us out. Um, and as we slowly started furnishing the place, we started getting ideas of, hey, you know, other people were jumping in and saying, like, hey, could I maybe jump in and be a fifth person in this? And so we were like, how do we want to do that? And we slowly came to the conclusion that we wanted to make this place a co-working space. So we, yeah, we retrofitted it to be exactly that. So we got a huge table. We got a a place to shoot, a studio space, a couch, a meeting area, a credenza, like all this stuff, lockers. Um, And yeah, we just launched a few months ago as uh, Creative Club Chicago. And the response has has been awesome. Like we have uh, two people working in here with us now with desks and a bunch of other people who have gotten either uh, a 10 punch pass uh, or quarterly um, yeah to work in here with us we've had a bunch of people rent out the space to shoot uh, to do meetings and so yeah we're we're full-fledged on now with this project yeah Uh, yeah and I mean it's not something that we think is like incredibly profitable it could be someday Um, we've even had dreams of what it could be um even more than what it is now um, and, and be an actual yeah. um, moneymaker as far as business goes. But yeah, right now it's just an amazing place that we're yeah. able to work and do things like yeah. this in, you know. Yeah, because so. that's a, such a hard thing as like photographers, you know, working from home, like, you know, I work from home and you're like, some days you're just like, ah, oh, I don't want to get up. <laughs> and then right. you're just stuck in this rut. Right, all um, day. Which is why I, you know, work from cafes, but there's mm-hmm. only so many cafes you can work at. Yeah, and, and so many distractions you can block. Yeah, out. and so many pastries you can eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get fat. Canada's made me fat, dude. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not fat. But no. I like, yeah, I got a rib tattoo the other day and was like, damn. <laughs> and uh-huh. You stand shirtless in a tattoo studio and you're just like, well, <laughs> oh. this is what Canada's done. Okay, <laughs> time to go back to the gym. Um, <laughs> But yeah, having a space that you can work from is pretty wicked. Like I love it, and you know where I where I am, there's nothing like this. Um, yeah. But other than big cities that have massive workspaces or whatever, which is yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so where can people find if if they want to work here for a day? 
Yeah. A bit of promotion time for you. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could just go to creativeclubchicago.com. Uh, there's a bunch of info there and a contact tab. Yep. Just fill it out. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, check it out. Wicked. <laughs> wicked. Yeah. Happy days. That's true. <laughs> You're like, Creative Club Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. <laughs> I stopped it so <laughs> Oh, yeah, Bean just walked in. We were just talking about hey, how, uh, yeah, you found the space for us. So it's all thanks to Bean that we have this place. Yeah. I yeah. think I like, I like your... Uh, just commit to it straight up kind of, hey, this place is awesome. Let's go. Post it on Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I do it. That's wicked. I love it. That's just, I'm the same kind of person. Like my dad, the day I started and was like, I'm going to start a photography business. I came home and was like, dad, I'm going to start a photography business. I've got an ABN, which is like your, your number you need to have a business in Australia. Uh-huh. And my dad was like, whoa, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I've got this plan. I've started this. I'm doing this. And dad's like, you should have like talked to me first and uh-huh. plan this. Like now you have to pay tax. I'm like, ah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So yeah, same kind of personality. Exactly. I, like <laughs> I like the way you. Yeah. Do, do now, think later. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah being every, in a nutshell. Yeah. Every, everyone needs a friend like that. I think. Yes. Because that way things get done. Yeah. You either love him or you want to kill him. <laughs> It's pretty much I think it's it, true. I, I think of it like I, I preached at my church the other week on uh-huh. uh, on Easter, obviously, and was like, oh, everyone needs a friend like Peter who's willing to just cut someone's ear off for you and be like, I will die for you. And then everyone's like, whoa. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm that friend. I'll be that guy. <laughs> I feel like this is an appropriate point to end the podcast. <laughs> We're like 45 minutes. Oh, uh, man. And, but uh, look, Ed, thanks, thanks so much for being on the podcast yeah, episode man. one. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, website, Facebook, yeah, just website. my name, ericfloberg.com. Um, e r i c f l o b e r g. It's a little weird, I know. It's not not Flaberg either. No, yeah, it's not uh, French Canadian. Yeah, nothing weird. Yeah, yeah. Floberg. Okay. I love it. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I yeah. feel like we should high five, but no one can see. No, let's do it. <laughs> yes! yes, you can hear it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>